0: Good evening, my darlings. Welcome to Marley's Ghosts. It's time for a Dread Time Story. Now get yourselves all tucked in. Ready? Good. Let's begin. Tonight's story is The Ghost of Christmas Eve by J. M. Berry. A few years ago, as some may remember, a startling ghost paper appeared in the monthly organ of the Society for Haunting Houses. The writer guaranteed the truth of his statement, and even gave the name of the Yorkshire manor house in which the affair took place. The article and the discussion to which it gave rise agitated me a good deal. I consulted Pettigrew about the advisability of clearing up the mystery— The writer wrote that he distinctly saw his arm pass through the apparition and come out the other side, and indeed I still remember his saying so the next morning. He had a scared face, but I had presence of mind to continue eating my rolls and marmalade as if my briar had nothing to do with the miraculous affair. Seeing that he had made a paper of it, I suppose he is justified in touching up the incidental details." He says, for instance, that we were told the story of the ghost, which is to said to haunt the house just before going to bed, as far as I remember, it was only mentioned at luncheon, and then sceptically, instead of there being snow falling outside and an eerie wind wailing through the skeleton trees. The night was still and muggy. Lastly, I did not know until the journal reached my hands. "'that he was put into the room known as the Haunted Chamber, "'nor that in that room the fire is noted "'for casting weird shadows upon the wall. "'This, however, may be so. "'The legend of the manor-house "'and the ghost he tells precisely as it is known to me. "'The tragedy dates back to the time of Charles I "'and is led up to by a pathetic love-story, "'which I need not give.' "'Suffice it that for seven days and nights "'the old steward had been anxiously awaiting "'the return of his young master and mistress "'from their honeymoon. "'On Christmas Eve, after he had gone to bed, "'there was a great clanging of the doorbell. "'Flinging on a dressing-gown, he hastened downstairs. "'According to the story, a number of servants watched him "'and saw by the light of his candle "'that his face was an ashy white. "'He took off the chains of the door,' unbolted it and pulled it open. What he saw, no human being knows, but it must have been something awful, for without a cry, the old steward fell down dead in the hall. Perhaps the strangest part of the story is this, that the shadow of a burly man holding a pistol in his hand entered by the open door, stepped over the steward's body, and gliding up the stairs, disappeared no one could say where. Such is the legend. I shall not tell the many ingenious explanations of it that have been offered. Every Christmas Eve, however, the silent scene is said to be gone through again. The tradition declares that no person lives for twelve months at whom the ghostly intruder points his pistol. "'On Christmas Day, the gentleman who tells the tale in a scientific journal "'created some sensation at the breakfast table "'by solemnly asserting that he had seen the ghost. "'Most of the men present scouted his story, "'which may be condensed into a few words. "'He had retired to his bedroom at a fairly early hour, "'and as he opened the door, his candlelight was blown out. "'He tried to get a light from the fire, but it was too low, "'and eventually he went to bed in the semi-darkness.' he was awakened he did not know at what hour by the clanging of a bell he sat up in bed and the ghost story came in a rush to his mind his fire was dead and the room was consequently dark yet by and by he knew though he heard no sound that his door had opened he cried out who is that but got no answer by an effort he jumped up and went to the door which was ajar His bedroom was on the first floor, and looking at the stairs he could see nothing. He felt a cold sensation at his heart, however, when he looked the other way. Going slowly and without a sound on the stairs was an old man in a dressing gown. He carried a candle. From the top of the stairs only part of the hall is visible, but as the apparition disappeared the watcher had the courage to go down a few steps after him. "'At first nothing was to be seen, for the candlelight had vanished. "'A dim light, however, entered by the long, narrow windows which flanked the hall door, "'and after a moment the onlooker could see that the hall was empty. "'He was marveling at this sudden disappearance of the steward when, to his horror, "'he saw a body fall upon the hall floor within a few feet of the door.' THE WATCHER CANNOT SAY WHETHER HE CRIED OUT, NOR HOW LONG HE STOOD THERE TREMBLING. HE CAME TO HIMSELF WITH A START, AS HE REALIZED THAT SOMETHING WAS COMING UP THE STAIRS. FEAR PREVENTED HIM FROM TAKING FLIGHT, AND IN A MOMENT THE THING WAS AT HIS SIDE. THEN HE SAW INDISTINCTLY THAT IT WAS NOT THE FIGURE THAT HAD DESCENDED. HE SAW A YOUNGER MAN IN A HEAVY OVERCOAT, BUT WITH NO HAT ON HIS HEAD. He wore on his face a look of extravagant triumph. The guest boldly put his hand towards the figure. To his amazement, his arm went through it. The ghost paused for a moment and looked behind it. It was then the watcher realized that it carried a pistol in its right hand. He was by this time in a highly strung condition, and he stood trembling lest the pistol should be pointed at him. The apparition, however, rapidly glided up the stairs and was soon lost to sight. Such are the main facts of the story, none of which I contradicted at the time. I cannot say absolutely that I can clear up this mystery, but my suspicions are confirmed by a good deal of circumstantial evidence. This will not be understood unless I explain my strange infirmity. "'Wherever I went I used to be troubled with a presentiment that I had left my pipe behind. "'Often, even at the dinner-table, I paused in the middle of a sentence as if stricken with a sudden pain. "'Then my hand went down to my pocket. "'Sometimes, even after I had felt my pipe, I had a conviction that it was stopped, "'and only by a desperate effort did I keep myself from producing it and blowing down it.' "'I distinctly remember once dreaming three nights in succession "'that I was on the Scotch Express without it. "'More than once I know I have wandered in my sleep "'looking for it in all sorts of places, "'and after I went to bed I generally jumped out just to make sure of it. "'My strong belief, then, "'is that I was the ghost seen by the writer of the paper. "'I fancy that I rose in my sleep, "'lighted a candle, "'and wandered down the hall to feel if my pipe was safe in my coat, "'which was hanging there. "'The light had gone out when I was in the hall. "'Probably the body seen to fall on the hall floor "'was some other coat which I had flung there to get more easily at my own. "'I cannot account for the bell, "'but perhaps the gentleman in the haunted chamber "'dreamed that part of the affair. "'I had put on the overcoat before reascending.' "'Indeed, I may say that the next morning "'I was surprised to find it on a chair in my bedroom. "'Also to notice that there was several long streaks "'of candle-grease on my dressing-gown. "'I conclude that the pistol, "'which gave my face such a look of triumph, "'was my briar, "'which I had found in the morning beneath my pillow. "'The strangest thing of all, perhaps, "'is that when I awoke, "'there was a smell of tobacco-smoke, in the bedroom. The end. Thank you for listening to Marley's Ghosts with me, your ghostess, Deborah Marley. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Marley's Ghosts or send me an email at Podcast at gmail.com I love hearing from you. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, visit my Patreon, where we have lots of tears, each with their own special treats. Also, rate and review so our community of Dread Time listeners can grow. Until next time, my darlings, sleep well.